says on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us what a great statement of faith do you love to worship the Lord I mean, he has created us for this he has created us for this. that's why you exist that's why I exist this morning we're starting a series and we're going through the book of second Corinthians and and Paul's writing to a local church there. Now, we know from the text, we know from 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians that he actually wrote three letters. Uh, we only have record of two. We can kind of piece some things together and kind of understand what was in his other letter. Uh, and so his first letter, we know he wrote a letter, and he was, he was pretty hard on the church. He was confronting some issues. The Corinthian church was a wreck, but it was a, it was a church full of hurting people and a group of people that desperately needed God. He, he had planted the church. If you've never planted a church, you know this. When you plant a church, there is a deeper love, there's a deeper affection uh, because you were a part of planting uh, that church. And so, so he writes this letter, the second Corinthians letter, back to them of encouragement to them of how far they've grown, how far they've developed. And then he starts talking to them about this issue of spiritual intelligence. He, you know, we talk a lot about relational intelligence and... <clears throat> Excuse me. We talk a lot about relational intelligence and, and relational intelligence is so that we can understand ourselves, self-awareness, and, and, and people. We talk about artificial intelligence, but very seldom do we talk about re, uh, spiritual intelligence. And so, so he begins to talk about this issue of spiritual intelligence, and, and he encourages them about how far they've grown and how far they've developed and all these other things. You know, here a while back I was reading an article, I think it was in News, Newsweek or Time magazine or some magazine, it was about coal miners. And so it's an article about coal miners and about, about the issue, and I'm going to grab water while I'm talking, so, uh, but it was an issue, it was talking about coal miners and talking about the problems that they go through. And so if you're like me, when you read an article, you will start reading the article and you'll try to com come up with the answer, right? And so they're talking about what are the greatest fears of coal miners. So I kind of figured, you know what, I know that. I mean, it's cave-ins. I mean, I mean, because we see it on the news. It makes headline news when there's, when there's a cave-in and there's, there's miners that are trapped and we see the listening devices that, you know, they drill down, they drop down. They try to hear if they can hear voices, hear breathing and all these other stuff. They got other instruments that they can determine body temperature. We've all seen the images on TV when family and loved ones gather around outside a mine shaft and they're like in a prayer circle. There's pastors with them. They're having a service and they're praying for them. And so we kind of, we're kind of waiting to find out, do they live, do they die, and what's going on? And so I pretty much figured, oh, that's easy. It's a cave-in. As I read down in the article, you know the greatest fear that miners have? Black lung. That they would breathe in these small carbons, these small dust. It would infect their lungs to the point to where they would suffocate. And it was kind of like God just whispered in my ear, and says, you know what, Charlie, a lot of times in life, what bothers us the most, the things that we have the most fear of, the small things, not the big things. I mean, when you start looking at this issue, you start thinking, you know, it's, it's the small things in life because, you know what, 15 minor problems in a day can add up to a bad attitude, right? And when you start looking at this issue, the things that give us sometimes the most fear are kind of the minor issues. And you know, if you look at life, you find life is made up of little things, right? 
I mean, we've had this rutting deal in our house the last couple of weeks, and, and we have, we have a, a squirrel, uh, a pet squirrel. It's still in the wild, but we feed it. It's, uh, it's Karen's squirrel, actually. And so, so on the fence, every morning, she takes, she, she, and we don't feed a squirrel squirrel food. It gets peanut butter crackers. And so Karen goes to Sam, actually, and she bought, you know, everything's ginormous at Sam's. And she walk, bought one of those ginormous boxes of, of peanut butter crackers, you know, the six and the little the wrappers, that type of deal. And every morning, Karen goes out when she has her quiet time. She goes out, she opens up the wrapper, she takes out one cracker, she breaks it up because a squirrel can't do that. You know, it, it can crack a nut. <laughs> but it can't break up, break up a peanut butter cracker. And so she breaks it up in fourths and pieces and lays it on the fence. And then she just loves to sit there and she loves to watch the squirrel come and, and, and eat the cracker. Well, She's been noticing that her crack, and then when she finishes, she rolls up what's left, because she only gets one a day, and she puts the wrapper on the, the table on our, on our porch. And so, but she's been noticing the peanut butter crackers have been disappearing, and there's wrappers everywhere. She's been accusing me of that. She's like, she's like, you're eating the squirrel food, you know, and she's, that's for the squirrel, and not only that, you don't throw the wrappers away. And so I've been, I've been claiming I'm innocent and all this other stuff, but you know how that works, and so... That's a whole other topic. And so, so then Friday morning, she went through her routine, and, and, but she didn't get out there in time. The squirrel came, got on the fence, no crackers. The squirrel got down, came across our deck, up on our patio, got on the table, got the crackers out for him or herself, I don't know, and <laughs> opened it. And we discovered a squirrel does not throw its trash away. Thank you, Jesus. I mean... <laughs> I mean, like, I'm set free. I'm innocent now. But you know what? If we're not careful, life is made up of small things. And they tell us that we all go through difficulties. And there's, when I started looking at this from a secular, from a worldly perspective, they'll tell you that there's, there's three common stresses in life. There's three things, areas that give us stress. There's interruptions. You know the interruptions when you're busy and you've got a hundred million things to do and then people interrupt you. I mean, if you notice that, when you're running late for an appointment, traffic bothers you a whole lot more when you've got all the time in the world. And so interruptions, uh, inconveniences, that's when the electric electricity goes out, that's when the refrigerator breaks, that's when the garbage disposal has problems, those types of deal. And then just common irritations, whether it comes from children, whether it comes from people, whether it comes from relationships around you, and those types of deal and Paul had the thorn in the flesh and and so but a lot of these you know what we can't control and so they tell us from a world's perspective there's only three types of reactions that you and I can have we can either resist it resent it or just kinda go with it give in to it so we can resist it that's where anger comes I mean that's where when we have problems and interruptions and irritations and small problems we just kind of blow up that's why they say you know a small pot boils more quickly than a large pot you can tell a lot by yourself by how quickly it takes you to get angry so we could either resist it then it says we can like resent it to where we just kinda do the blame deal where we blame everyone else we blame our spouse we blame our friends we blame our boss we blame uh, we blame people around us. Oh, and we can go so far that we blame God, right? And then we can begin blaming God. Or we just give in to it. And that's kind of where you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and, and says, you know what, I, 
I can't overcome it, so I'll just kind of give in to it. And that's why people will tell you when you ask them how you're doing, and they come back and say, well, I'm doing pretty good under the circumstances, right? In other words, it's just my lot in life, and I just got to suffer through this. And so the question is, is how do we handle stress? How do we handle difficulty? See, that's what Paul's talking about. Paul begins all the way through this book, starts talking about, he's helping them understand how to handle difficulties in life. Time Magazine, there was a doctor, uh, Robert Elliott, that wrote an article, and he's, he's a cardiologist, and, and he specializes in stress management. And he came up with his, his three rules of, of dealing with stress, dealing with difficulties. And, and, and the first one is this, is that you just learn not to sweat the small stuff. You meant the little things in life, don't sweat them. The second thing was this, view everything as small stuff. How does that work? I mean, right, because honestly, there are big stuff in life that we deal with. I mean, there are big things in life. And, and, and then he says, and if you can't fight it, if you can't overcome it, then you just need to learn to flow with it. And he says what he does in his life is just say, you know what? This issue in my life is not worth a heart attack. He says, that's how I remember how to bring it down. But, boy, the problem is, is what Paul says. And the only way you and I can get through difficulty in life is to be able to see it from God's perspective, to be able to see it from God's point of, of view. When I overreact in life, it's a reminder to me that, you know what, I'm just not in tune with God. I'm just having trouble seeing it from his perspective. And so Paul writes this letter to the Corinthians, their second Corinthians, we're going to walk through 11 verses this morning. And he writes this letter in appreciation to them and encouragement to them. He's encouraging them to remain faithful. He's bragging on them that their spiritual intelligence has, has grown. And he wants to help them in this area of difficulties. And, and he uses the word comfort 29 times. I mean, this is a huge theme that runs through this book. Themes are important. 18 times as a verb and 11 times as a noun. And in spite of all that Paul had faced... Man, he still understood how God had set him free. And he was able to see it from God's perspective and not man. So here's just a few things this morning as we walk through this. The first thing is this that he communicated to them is difficulties are a part of everybody's life. In other words, he says everybody goes through difficulty, right? He said you and I will never become so successful. We will never become, hey, listen to this, we'll never become so spiritually mature that will escape difficulties. Paul says this, guess what? Everybody goes through difficulties. Nobody's exempt. I mean, so many times it's, it's, it's so easy in life to look into someone else's life, right? And look into their life and say, oh man, oh man, that's someone that has it all together. They probably don't have any problems. They don't have any stress. They don't deal with the issues. It just seems like life comes easy to them, right? And it's so easy to look into their life until you get to know them. And then you realize, you know what? They deal with hurt. They deal with pain. They deal with difficulties the same as we do. And what Paul is saying, he says, let's just all understand this. Everybody deals with difficulty. Everybody deals with hurt. Everybody deals with, with, with this issue of pain. And he says, but the good news is this. God has already met the two greatest needs of a human. Forgiveness, comfort. I mean, that's where he brings them down. He says, listen, God has already met your two major needs. Your two needs in your life that you can't meet. Forgiveness. Every sinner needs forgiveness. And everyone who suffers needs comfort. 
And he's bringing them down to the point and says, you know what? God has met your two major needs. Forgiveness and comfort. Watch this, verse 5. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ, comfort, comfort overflows. I mean, he was really illustrating the, the principle that Jesus taught, right? Jesus says, in this world, guess what? You're going to have trouble. In this world, you're going to have affliction. In this world, you're going to have hurt. In this world, you're going to you're going to have pain. In this world, you will have trouble. I mean, Jesus was pretty upfront about this issue of trouble. I mean, he got his he, talking to believers, right? He got the believers around and says, "I just want you to know, just because you're a Christian, it doesn't exempt you from problems. Just because you're a Christian, it doesn't exempt you from hurt and heartache and difficulties and all that other stuff. I just want you to know." I just want you to understand that Christianity doesn't exempt you from parents. And so, but here's the deal. Our culture tries to convince us. We'll never have hurt. We'll never have pain. So, overindulgent parents try to insulate their children from hurt and pain and everything else because they don't want their children to grow up with the same hurt and pain that they did. Their children become adults and go through difficulty, go through pain and they give up because they've never experienced it we have an accommodating theology now that's going around in Christianity and the philosophy is this is that your life can be free of pain your life can be free of difficulty TV ministers will tell you that if you'll just dedicate your life to God if you'll live without sin you know in your life You'll be happy, you'll be wealthy, you'll be healthy, you'll be prosperous, and you'll be free of difficulty to the point when people buy into that theology and they go through difficulty, they begin questioning everything about God. What I did to causes how did I say and what and all those questions but the Bible teaches us this from the very beginning because of the fall because of Adam and Eve we live in a contaminated world we live in a fallen world we live in a world where there is cancer we live in a world where there is death we live in a world where there is difficulty we live in a world where people sin and hurt us we live in a world where is contaminated and so the Apostle Paul says let's illustrate this a couple of different ways watch this the first illustration verse 5 he says for just as sufferings of Christ overflow into our lives so also through Christ our comfort overflows and so what he's saying about sharing in the sufferings of Christ many different New Testament writers wrote about this he says okay let, let, let's just take Jesus for example Jesus was perfect Jesus was sinless Jesus knew no sin he was lonely he was abandoned. He was a victim of criticism. He was beaten. He was spit upon. His closest friends, when Jesus needed them the most, they walked out of his life. He knows what it's like to do life with an individual that betrays him, that sells him out for their gain. And Paul is helping them understand. He says, hey, Jesus without sin, perfect. He dealt with difficulty. 
what makes you think you're exempt? And then he illustrates it in verse 8 in another way. He says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. <coughs> we are under great pressure. Now watch this. Far beyond our ability to endure. That's serious pressure. There, there's some Christians that run around and says, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. God will never give me any more than I can handle. That is not true. The scripture says this in Corinthians, God will not give you more temptation than you can bear. But I'm just telling you, Paul was an example. God will give you more. God will allow into your life more than you can bear. And Paul answers that question. I mean, he's helping them with spiritual intelligence. He's helping them understand Christianity and understand how to deal with difficulty in his life. And Paul was honest. He says, hey, the pressure that we have, it's far beyond my ability to endure. Then watch this. This is kind of shocking from a man like Paul. So that we, so it just wasn't him, we despaired even life. Man, he got to the point, hey, this is beyond my ability to endure, endure. I don't know if I could take this. I don't know that I want to continue. I don't know that I want to go on. I mean, we're not talking about small stuff. We're talking about big stuff. We're talking about the pressure so great. And Paul doesn't know. Many of us may never be or go through difficulties quite the way that Paul did. Tori went through difficulties to where he worked part-time to, to, to fund his missionary events. He had people that were trying to kill him. He was beaten, he was robbed, he was left for dead. I mean, he, he knew what it was to starve, and he knew what it was to be well-fed, and he knew all of, it, all of these things. But he had this constant tension Second Peter tells us this, or First Peter 4, 12 and 13 says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering. How many times have we heard someone look at us and say, I am so shocked at this strange thing I'm going through. I, mean, I can't believe it. And Simon Peter's trying to help them understand his listeners to say, Hey, don't, don't get into this thing that you're surprised as if this is something strange happening to you. Then he goes on, but rejoice that you participate. Now here's that phrase again, in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. And so what Paul and Simon Peter were trying to get everybody to understand is guess what? We all deal with hardship. We all deal with difficulties. There's, there's one thing this morning that we, have all in that we have in common. We all deal with difficulty. We all deal with hurt. We all deal with pain. We all deal with discouragement. We all deal with issues of life and then he carried it deeper and he said this the, the next thing he says is difficulties provide an opportunity to receive God's comfort he said here's what difficulties do and he begins trying to help them understand the issue of difficulties in their life see we live in America and so we buy into this philosophy humanism is what it really is but we buy into this philosophy and we believe if we can just make enough money if we can buy enough insurance if we have enough in retirement if we have enough in our 401k then guess what we can get to the point where I no longer have to depend on God man I'm telling you what there are difficulties of this life there are circumstances of this life I don't care how much wealth you have gathered it can be gone in a heartbeat 
Some will say, well, you know what, that's kind of not me. I just believe that, that if I can get more education and if I can establish my own moral guidelines, right and wrong and what is purity and what is not, then I don't need the Bible. I'll decide that. Humanism. Are there some that believe if I can just get involved in enough civic organizations and if I can get into the, the clique and the movers and the shakers and, and they know me and, and I've got enough friends that help me and work with me, then I can develop enough relationships around me to make me successful and I don't need the church. Humanism is this thought. And it doesn't so much bother me when it's in the world because I kind of expect it there, but what bothers me is when it comes into the church. But humanism is this. It's simply that people can rely on themselves. That I can be smart enough, I can be rich enough, I can be successful enough, I can be talented enough, that it doesn't matter what I walk through, it doesn't matter what I deal with. I can rely on self. I don't need God. I don't need the Bible. I don't need the church. But you know what levels us out? When you go through difficulty and try to rely on yourself. See, there's some that believe that, you know what, even in difficulty, I, I can rely on myself. I don't need anyone. Watch this, verse 9. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. You ever felt like dead man walking, dead woman walking? where there's like this death sentence on your life. I mean, this is a huge problem. This is a huge difficulty in your life. This is to where Paul is like, hey, I feel like a death sentence. I feel like I'll never survive. I'll never get out of this. I'll never, I'll never make it through this. And then watch this. He answers this. He says, but let me just help you understand why this happened. That's why I love about the Bible is that it not only presents a problem, but it gives the answer. It gives, it gets how to behave. He says, but this happened. For those of you who have felt like a death sentence is on your life, this happened. Why? That we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. See, humanism says, it's all about me. I, I don't need anybody. I can work myself out of this. And then he says, oh, and just not any God? The one who raised the dead. In other words, in God, in Christ... There is absolutely no such thing as a death sentence. He conquered death. He said, let me help you understand this issue of difficulties. Came in your life so that you would know that the teachings of Jesus were true. When he said, apart from me, you can do nothing. You may be able to for a season, you may be able to for a period, but apart from me, boy, you can do nothing. And sometimes troubles and problems come into our life with consequences of a fallen world. Sometimes they come into our life because of our disobedience, our sin. Sometimes consequences or problems come into our life because of the sin of another on us. And I've just come to the point, when I walk through difficulties, instead of focusing on where they came from, because they come from all different directions, we'll look at that. But it's that God can use that difficulty in my life to mature me, to develop me, to remind me once again 
I can't make it without him. That I'm totally and completely dependent upon him. See, when we go through difficulties, it is so important that we turn to God and that we not run from him. To where we rely on God. Because I just got to tell you, if you don't, you'll resent him. I mean, the danger when there's pain and when there's difficulty in your life is that there's a real temptation in life to with, withdraw from God, abandon God, or run from God, or get angry with God, or blame God. And here's what, I, here's what I've learned about that. You can do that, free will. Your pain will only intensify. Because he's a God who pursues. I mean, we learned that in the Jonah series, right? He's a God who pursues. He's a God of a second chance. He's a God that doesn't want to leave you where you are in your pain and in your hurt. That's why in Psalms 46.10, he just said, just cease striving. And just know that I'm God. If God is not God of the little things in your life or Lord of the little things, then he's not Lord. God is not Lord of the big things in your life. It's not Lord. He said, just come to the point. Cease striving. And just learn to rely on me and just know that I'm God. The third thing that he wanted them to understand is that difficulties equip us to, to comfort others. Difficulties in life equip me, equip you to comfort others. Watch this, verse 3 and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion. Now listen, and, and the God of all comfort. The, those two words are circled in my Bible, the compassion and comfort, because traditionally we look at those at the same. We think, hey, that's kind of the same word, just saying it, same definition, different word, trying to explain. Huge difference in the Greek and in the English for that matter. But, but watch this. For the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in what? All of our troubles. In the Greek, that word all means all. It means every one of your troubles, whether it came from a contaminated world, world whether you caused it, someone else caused it because of your sin, someone else's sin. He says this, hey, guess what? I'll comfort you in all of your troubles. We watched him comfort Jonah right in this series, that he comforted Jonah in his disobedience when he was running from God in his sin. And he says he will comfort you in all of your troubles, what? So that when we... have comfort so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God now watch this troubles difficulty both external internal usually all we focus on is the external right that's what gets our focus because verse 8 what's this it's turned back if you're if you're following with me or whatever if not I'll find it verse 8 here's what the scripture says Paul goes down we do not want you to be uninformed brothers about the hardships we suffer in the province of Asia here we go we were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure external pressure that came from without I mean that was external pressure that circumstances situations that they're walking through that is external pressure now watch this so that we even despaired life internal See, the thing that is so leveling about difficulties and problems, there's 
external problems and internal problems. You can go through external problems where there's this pressure, there's this stuff happening, circumstances, situations in your life. And at the same time, you'll deal with internal prob uh, problems. Self-worth, guilt, why? How about like Paul? I despair even life. How about fear of the future? God, I feel like this is a death sentence. How will I make it? How will I go on? What does tomorrow look like? What is next month? What is next year? How would I provide? You see, what happens is, is because problems, difficulties can be so painful, we only focus on the external. When we're trying to process out all these other internal problems. Paul was saying this. Troubles. Man, just get this. Come from all different sources. I mean, James would say it's multifaceted, multicolored. Different facets of problems, different facets, facets, facets of difficulties. So, problems come from all different sources, but here's what Paul says. Comfort, only one source. It's God. And see, what, what he's saying here is one of the reasons that trouble, difficulties come in your life so that you can comfort others with the same comfort that God has given you. And it equips us to comfort others. If you have gone through this experience similar to what someone else has gone through and you have found healing in that, you are now equipped to help them. If you've walked through, the, walked through the pains of divorce, and man, you know the emotions that that carries, the sense of failure, guilt, what is my life going to look like, dreams dashed, why, all those questions, and you've walked through that, and you've found healing in that, you can help someone that is walking through the pains of the divorce because you understand personally. If you ever lost a loved one with a child, a mom, a dad, a relationship, a husband, a wife, and you've walked through the grieving process, when you know all those emotions, you understand people that are dealing with a loss of a loved one at a at a deeper level than someone who hasn't. If you're prone to depression and you know the cycles of depression, seasons and everything else and you've taken medication and you know the side effects and learned life skills and everything else then you're equipped to talk to someone about depression because you've walked through it and you've found healing and found hope. You see, that's the power behind support groups. And let me tell you something. Sometimes I believe the world understands support groups better than us. 
they understand that the person that can help an alcoholic is someone that has overcome that addiction and they put them in a room together to find comfort and to find healing. The power of the local church is when the local church realizes that. That's why we have Stephen's ministers. That's why we have all that we do, whether it's life groups and all these other things, is trying to put people together that they can build a relationship and build a friendship and find comfort. And God allows us to go through difficulty and God allows us to go through hurt and pain so that we can help others who have a similar experience. Listen, God never intends to waste a hurt, but you can. By, not be, by being not willing to open up your life and encourage and help another. You see, when you look at that verse, Paul says that he's the Father God, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Now, we look at that and we think, you know what, there's really not any difference between compassion and, and comfort, but in the Greek it's like dramatic. Compassion is this. Compassion is being able to be sympathetic to another person's problems. It's being able to kind of be sympathetic. Oh man, bad deal. Can't believe you're going through. That has to be hard. That's compassion. Comfort, totally different. It comes out of the root word from paraclete where we get Holy Spirit, the comforter that comes alongside. When he used it here, it's very specific. It means this. Comfort means to come alongside of another. Do you realize you can be compassionate towards of another but of no help? You can be compassionate of another. Oh man, bad deal. Hate to see you're going through that. I can, I can sympathize with you. You can be compassionate of another but you can be of, of no help. You see, to comfort someone means that you come alongside of them and to comfort someone means you listen to them, you encourage them, you support them, you walk with them. James was talking about faith, but watch this. James 2, 5 and 15 and 17 says this. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, guess what? It's dead. Listen, let me tell you what Paul said. If compassion is not accompanied with comfort, it is worthless. It is dead. It is of no value. See, the comforter, someone that has comfort in their life and understands the difference between compassion and comfort, the comforter is the one who makes the call, right? I mean, the comforter is the one who walks in. See, a person of compassion says, oh man, bad deal. I'm, I'm sympathetic. That has to be hard. Call me if you need me. Anybody ever make that call? Because I'm telling you what, when you're going through hurt, when you're going through pain, you... You're not even empowered to where you can make that phone call and ask for help. The comforter is someone that understands to comfort someone is to come alongside of them. They're the ones willing to make that call. They're the ones willing to sign the, send a card. They're the ones willing to, to, to write a note. They're the ones willing to come alongside of them and help them. They're the ones willing enough to open up their life and say, you know what? I've been through divorce. I've been through depression. I've been through through uh, the loss of a loved one. I've been through betrayal. I've been through that. And man, I'm here to help you. And I want to teach you 
the comfort that God gave me. And I'll walk with you. That's why Paul said in 6 and 7, if we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. See, Paul understood that problems came into his life, not for him, but for others. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patience, endurance, and the same suffering we suffer. And our hope for, for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. You know what Paul's saying? Paul's saying this. If you're experiencing deep hurt, if you're experiencing difficulty in, in life, he says, I just want you to know there's a day coming in your life where you're going to find freedom in it. There's a day coming in your life where you're going to find comfort. There's a day coming in your life where you're going to find healing. Because I've been there. I've walked through it. And I'm going to open up my life to you and help you through it. See, God never intends to waste a hurt. But we can. The last thing is this, is that difficulties allow us to testify about our faith. One of the greatest testimonies you'll have in your life is how you handle difficulty, how you handle pain. Because if we're all honest, we all have it. And we all have difficulty in, in life. And boy, there are people, I'm just telling you, there are people that watch you. That when you go through hurt and, and, and when you go through pain... They're watching you to see if there's anything different about your life because you're a believer. Do you handle it the same way they do? And that's why Paul in 10 and 11 says this. It says, on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. What a great statement of faith. God has been delivering me past, present, future. Whole tense in the Greek language. God has delivered me in the past. God is continuing to deliver me. And guess what? God is going to deliver me in the future. He says, on him. I haven't relied on self. I haven't relied on anyone else. I've set my hope on him. People have ministered to me through him. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. As you help us by your prayers. Then many will give, us th give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Maybe this morning, maybe you're walking through difficulty right now. I mean, you would be one of the ones that say, you know what? Man, I'm walking through difficulty right now. Would you release it to the Lord? Would you set your hope on Him? Would you recognize what He's done in your life and what He will continue to do? Where are you setting your hope? Scripture tells us that even when people comfort us, it is really God because it is through His comfort through them. Maybe you've never crossed the line and become a believer. 
Maybe this is the morning that you just need to do that. Scripture says that if you'll humble yourself before him and you'll confess your sins and ask him to come into your life, that he'll forgive you. And he'll give you the comforter, the Holy Spirit, that will come alongside of you and empower you and strengthen you. Maybe this morning you just need to do that. You say, you know, that's me. I just need to accept him and just, just give up. And ask him to come into my life and start a spiritual journey. Maybe this morning you need to thank him for what he's delivered you from. I don't know what God has for you. That's between you and the Lord. I just know this. He desires to come alongside of you and encourage you and support you.